0: Greetings. Hello and welcome. The archival recording you are about to hear was sourced from live streaming audio in an effort to expand content reach. I have decided to repurpose the show as an audio podcast. I have done my best to remaster the audio quality for your ears, but I have chosen to leave its content and length unedited. So you may hear reference to visual cues not described in said audio. If you'd like to see the original live streaming video podcast, this recording comes from, please head over to youtube.com slash C slash from or just search from us F R U M E S S. And don't forget to like share and subscribe audio from episode to episode will also vary in quality. Sorry about that. Thank you for tuning in and listening. Jeff from us.
1: Okay. So, <laughs> so we've talked about like the, you know, the thing that we talked about uh, when I, when we went over the Riot Fest show, and I can really only review the shows I was at, right? Um, the thing that we talked about at great length for the Riot Fest show was like the, the sort of surreal, surreal, sur- the surreal aspects of being a Misfits yeah, fan. Yeah and getting into them after 2016 or getting into them like maybe in 2015 and you know waiting a a year or not even waiting any time at all to to go see this band uh while the rest of us you know who spent years and years and years and years languishing waiting hoping uh by the way real quick i forgot man i totally forgot to post this this shit before i get into that that song you heard in the trailer for romeo's distress that is um oh never mind that was nimvind in any case look up nimvind they're a great fucking band check them out big fan of nimvind um so uh (laughs) well yes okay great cool we'll talk we'll talk john john we'll talk um tell you five videos robbie bloodshed he never had any complaints that fuck all right anyway enough of that enough of enough of negativity back to the back to the topic at hand so there are people out there that never that never uh experienced the long wait that the rest of us did for you know trying to um you know uh see see a reunion like that, you know um I, I've talked about all this already. I don't want to re rehash it, but the point is, is that there are some people that like it's not I, none of this is I feel like it this was not as special for them because the significance of the wait, the waiting though the, there was a huge that was a huge element in in seeing these reunion shows in any case there have been a whole slew of reunion shows now what there's been like 12, 13, I guess you can kind of call, I mean, AC Slade and, and Dave Lombardo, are as much of the, you know, are, are, are you know, me- essentially members that's on some level, they're members of the misfits in the same way that, you know, brain damage is a member of the misfits or Todd Swallow is a member of the misfits or Rick Riley or Barry Ryan or, uh, Diane D Piazza. I mean, all these people, um, you know, played with the band but didn't record with the band. You know, uh, uh, but they've done. I mean, this has been this is an incredibly stable lineup. This lineup has lasted over four years. That's longer than you know Jerry Doyle and 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 Glenn previously. Um, kind of crazy when you think about it like that, in that sort of way. Um, and the reunion shows in general have been really, really great. We've uh, again another thing we've talked about at great length. You know they're playing they're they're firing on all cylinders, they're playing at the top of their game. You know, they're just they're crushing it, they're crushing it out there for the most part. Um they're you know, Glenn Glenn can still sing in that misfits register. He's singing those songs great. Um Doyle is doing his Doyle thing, and Jerry, Jerry is like Jerry's better than he's ever been, personally, in, in my opinion. Jerry is like, Jerry is so you know he's 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 a magnum opus power slides on the stage um thickening up those bat with the uh, thickening things up with those backup vocals uh for glenn you know uh just sort of uh adding so much stage presence stage personality breaking the bases um yeah man uh, uh jerry is just jerry's crushing it he is crushing it and um uh, I really can't understate that enough. I really can't overstate that enough. Uh, in any case, so so in general, all of the shows have been great, right? All that's not what we're talking about here. However, there is one um, there's one set of circumstances that I had been waiting for for in in, in regards to the Misfits, a hometown show, that was not New Jersey, that was New York, because the Misfits are a New York band. We've talked about this also before. Uh, a Halloween show and a show in a, in a, in a venue of, 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 of great reputation. And all of those things combined last October in 2019. And, you know, again, I don't want to rub it in for the people that could not afford, could not afford to, um, you know, do a show, uh, go to the show. Um, for some people it's not within their means. Me personally, I financed my tickets. I financed them on my credit card. That's what I did. That's how I saw the Misfits every time. I was like, I have to be in the pit. There's no way that I'm not going to be in the pit. And I've never paid $300 to see a band ever, 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 ever. It's never happened for me. The first time it was 150 with Riot Fest. The second time was 300. And the third time was 300. Um, And after this last time, this this MSG show, if I never see them again, I'll be okay. I, I feel okay with that. Um, because, again, not only was it an MSG, like pretty much the biggest venue that you possibly could see them in in New York, the most iconic, the just the the, the venue with the most prestige. Right. Uh, it was also a Halloween show. It was also a hometown show. And the damned were opening for them 40 years after they got opened for the damned and got kicked off their tour. <sighs> could you imagine for a moment? Ten years ago, someone said, like, in a fan form, that sounds like something that someone made up in Misfit Central. You know, someone's going, well, what, what if they played Madison Square Garden and the damned opened for them and it was Halloween? How cool would that be? Cookly clap, tap, tap, tap. I mean, and everybody would just be like, all right, like, enough with the fan fiction. It sounds like fan fiction to me, but it's not. It's real. Um, all the photos you're going to see in this article, I took myself, these are my photos. So there's this moment, uh, and I can't, I don't know why you can't zoom in on it. You should be able to light box that, but I guess it's giving me, oh,
0: why did that happen?
1: No. Um, how do I make that bigger? I want to see the photo. In any case, this photo really summed it up. Just watching these, looking at these three fucking guys, just marveling over their incredible accomplishment um just all looking at each other it was just such a moment uh and and this was the show where i broke my golden rule i never uh, you know i I saw the misfits three times two of those three times i never took out my phone not once um while they played i didn't do it i just didn't do it this time however i recorded a bunch of the stage banter because i just wanted to have it as a souvenir and i'm actually going to play it for you i'm going to play you the, the the stage banter um now not now but uh when we as we get into it because it's just like it's it's so memorable it's more memorable than having them than than watching them cover you know uh astro zombies not cover play astro zombies or whatever it for me it it, the the stage banter meant more and so i was like i'm gonna just get the stage banter in between songs which makes sense because i'm in the pit and the pit is You know chaotic uh, violent Um, it wasn't as violent as Chicago I think Riot Fest Chicago was one of the most violent shows that uh, I've ever witnessed it was violent it it was violent people got people got hurt Uh, actually that's not true someone got knocked out cold I don't know if it was New Jersey or if it was uh, New York but someone got knocked out cold on the floor and people were trying to drag him away before the next song started. And the band—they didn't hear us. We were trying. We were all screaming out to the uh, the the, the uh, uh, Jerry and Doyle and Glenn to be like, "Yo, stop it! Stop! Stop! Stop!" Because uh, they were gonna. This guy was gonna get trampled, and he was out cold. Um, all right, let me read this thing. So, this is like my other article, right? This is an eyewitness, firsthand account of this show as I remember it. Um. So I'm going to read it for you and we'll, we'll play the thing and yada, yada, yada. One, two, three, X, Y, Z. Happy Halloween. There is nothing more fitting to hear. <laughs> there is nothing more fitting to hear from Glenn Danzig right before he and the Misfits launch into the song itself in October in New York City at sold out Madison Square Garden with the damned opening 40 years after the Misfits opened for them at Haraz. OK, so like that's basically everything I just said to you reiterated right then and there um this is from billy so billy who billy stone uh on brian swirsky brian is um uh, i guess you know he's a he was a guy from around back then and also brian is uh i think he's a tour manager he did tour managing for the sonics and a bunch of other bands billy stone was in a band called the blessed with howie pyro and they also had Walter Lewer in the band. Billy Stone is in my documentary, the, the documentary, They Came from Lodi. And um this is what this was his uh this was his uh comment right here. Just for the record and a bit of trivia, not to blow my own horn. I prefer someone else to do that. But the whole thing, those two bands opening was arranged by moi. Uh my first band, The Blessed, were booked to do that. Our manager, Eileen Polk, had retired and I was managing the band. So Eileen Polk was not only a fan of, uh, sorry, not fan friend, was not only a good friend of of Glenn and Jerry, but was also managing the Blessed. And she was a photographer and she took a lot of pictures. A lot of those Night of Living Dead pictures, a lot of like the 1979 horror business Night of Living Dead pictures were taken by Eileen Polk. Okay. That's who she is. So she managed the Blessed, right? Uh, So she was really like around that round back then. Um, it was to be called the damned blessed, blessed, damned nights. Two nights the first night we would go on first, and the second night the damn would go on first, essentially opening for us. The blessed were like they were like little kids. Howie was young, uh, Billy was young. All these guys were they were they were a super young band, they were almost like a novelty. It was a novelty how young they were. They never recorded an official album. I don't know if they ever got a record deal. They used to do shows with the Misfits. Howie was good friends with Glenn and Jerry. We, we, we read his quotes and screamed with me last week, you know, about making buttons with Jerry. I mean, they got those guys got into a lot of trouble. And then Howie would later go on to play bass for Glenn uh, around 2002 on the I Safari album uh, 777 and, and toured the world with Glenn. Um. So, so that's the connection. So, the blessed, just the way that the victims were like a, a a brother band with the misfits, and the necros were like a brother band with the misfits. So were the damned. All of these happened at different times. The victims were were, were friends with were you know uh, in cahoots with the misfits from 77 78, The the blessed nineteen seventy nine, and then the necros pretty much from nineteen eighty 1980 to nineteen eighty one to nineteen eighty three, right. So, uh, so that kind of like frames everything up. Uh, so Eileen Polk uh, helped put it together. Uh, but our guitarist at the time refused to do it, having been on the Anarchy Tour. So the guitarist he's talking about is Walter Luer, who I also interviewed for this documentary. So he's also in my movie. Walter Luer was in the Heartbreakers with Johnny Thunders from the New York Dolls. Um, he's pretty big potatoes in that scene. The Heartbreakers were like a fucking ginormous band. Max's Kansas City band uh back in the day um and their fame really coming from the ashes of 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 having two new york doll members uh jerry nolan and johnny thunders um and before before uh billy rath joined also in the documentary um richard hell was the bass player so walter played guitar for billy and the blessed and did not want to do these shows with the damned. So the band had to pull out because they didn't have a guitar player. So I had, to band, band, uh, I had to bow out, which Haraz was not happy about as uh, posters were being printed. So I suggested the Misfits and the Stimulators, uh, who they were not all too familiar with. And I contacted each band and put everyone together and the rest is whatever. I think this su- is the success... All the various bands have had is fantastic and any book, especially the ones that are due to come out in the near future. Uh, this is the true and un- all- unadulterated facts. I only believe in the truth, no matter how hard and brutal leave others to their myths. So um, that's Billy to- tooting his own horn, rightfully so. And, you know, that really did that as we've, as I'm going to, you're going to hear me say over and over again in 1979 a year of horror business that really did put the misfits on the map, man. It really did. That show with the the damned at Haraz was fucking huge, explosive. That's what led to them doing the Irving Plaza show, headlining Irving Plaza in nineteen seventy nine, which was a big feat uh, in and of itself as well. Um, oh, this is what I wrote. I said I put Misfit Central, R.I.P. Misfit Central. This is not the original logo. Everybody remembers the original logo to Misfit Central. Man, that's something to put on a T-shirt. This is not some Misfits nerd fantasy written on Misfit Central in, t- in 2007. Whoa, imagine if like Glenn and Jerry reunited for a sold out New York City Halloween show and like the damned opened and they had Dave Lombardo from Slayer on drums and it was at Madison Square Garden. That would be so sick. That would be amazing to see. I know it will never happen though. That's exactly the type of comment you would hear on Misfits Central. That really happened. That actually happened. That blows my mind. That blows my mind. And it blows my mind that they're like these fuckers (laughs) that didn't have to wait 15 years for that shit. And some of them had to wait fucking 30 years for that shit. Whatever. just kind of blows my mind. Here's me with my friend Rich. uh, And this is right before the the show began. Uh, This is... uh, blah, blah blah blah. The time is nigh. Rich and I are waiting for death to rip our backs out. No, actually, that really just happened. October eighteenth, twenty uh, nineteen. Six years to the day after Danzig and Doyle played a Misfit set at the Roseland Ballroom. R.I.P. That I was at that show. Um, uh, f- some interesting hijinks happened at that show. Um, remind me to tell you about the legend of the Wishbone Ranch dressing.
2: Do, 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 do.
1: Um, as the days counted down to this historic event i poured over its connotations many many times in my mind reveling in how significant and validating it is for the band the fiends the fans and the punk rock community as a whole a grand victory and it was true man it was a grand fucking victory I've heard some people debunked that, oh, the, the Misfits uh, were not the first band to sell out Madison Square Garden or play Madison Square Garden, yada, 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 that um, The Clash had done it or somebody else had done it. I forget, but I don't believe that to be true. I think it was the Misfits, man. And even so, still, the fucking Misfits sold out Madison Square Garden. That's unfucking believable Think about that. This band... That would that would play to 50 people a night driving around in a rinky dink van would you know uh 36 years later um be opening at Madison Square Garden to a sold-out audience. And the lineups that were in the audience that night, okay, ready for this. You had three-fourths of Sam Hain, Steve, Pete, and Glenn were there, right? You had you had the jerry only lineup of the misfits des Kadena, uh the goat uh eric the chupacabra goat guy eric aker whatever was there and uh motherfucking uh jerry so you had you had that lineup of the band i believe franche coma was there right um <laughs> <laughs> wait i'm gonna post that comment hold on i don't want to lose this thought i believe that three fourths of the static age lineup were there because you had frank jerry and glenn right so that's another lineup then you had you had the entire lineup current lineup of danzig also there then you had three fourths of the misfits 95 were there that's right three fourths of the misfits 95 everybody but michael graves was at that show uh that show uh who else was there i'm trying to think of all i mean this is what i was this is what was really blowing my mind i'm thinking about all the fucking lineups that were at you had the classic line of the misfits there yeah pat confirms that frank was there so you had the three-fourths of the static age. so you had three-fourths of all these different lineups at this so we hold on we had the static age lineup we had sam hayne we had danzig we had the jerry only misfits we had Misfits 95. We had the classic lineup of the Misfits. That's five iterations. You had uh, all the members of Sardonica there. Uh, you had um, who else was fucking there? I'm trying to think. Uh, I don't know. That's all that comes to mind right now. Still, that's kind of amazing when you think about it. You had two thirds of the cough cool lineup there. You know, all these crazy lineups were there. It just kind of like as a misfits nerd at that to be at that show. There was a lot of overlap. Uh, Robbie Bloodshed, who we were just highlighting on this very show, says I'm 99 percent sure that one of the mysterious fellows at that show with the ranch dressings stole a package of Hanes
0: underwear. from the backstage.
1: <laughs> Yes, yes. That was not me. That was another person. <laughs> was, well, there were some hijinks. One day I will I will tell the story of the I will tell the story of the ranch dressing, the legend of the ranch dressing. One of the greatest experiences of my life. Like truly, like sorry, one of the greatest experiences of my concert going life happened at that roseland show seeing Danzig with doyle it was fucking great who you know who else was at that show the mother chick was at that show she would she was trying to talk to doyle it was really funny oh pat lakata says uh volbeat was there that's pretty cool um All right. Anyway, back to uh, as the days counted down to this historic event, I poured over its connotations many, many times in my mind, reveling in how significant and validating it is for the band, the fiends, the fans and the punk rock community as a whole, a grand victory. I've seen the spectacle twice before Chicago riot fest and New Jersey's prudential center. I was not a big fan of the prudential center performance, that was the day that Glenn's mother died. Glenn's mother died, and he went out and fucking... If ever there was a reason to cancel a fucking show, it's because your mother dies. And Glenn fucking went out and and and, and did his fucking all uh, for that show. Prudential was not my favorite. A lot of people were like, well, it was the best show ever. N- no. I think MSG. Um, Riot Fest was the best show ever because... It was my first, uh, but MSG was the best show ever because it was the best. It was the fucking best. They sounded better than any of the other times, both on YouTube or seeing them live and in the flesh, I think. Um, And while the Chicago show will always be burned into my mind as the greatest of the three, I think the New York City MSG is my favorite. It is their true homecoming show. You hear everyone talk all the time about Jersey being the hometown show, but that is inaccurate. Uh, although the Misfits are from Lodi, New Jersey, they are actually a New York band, as I've said. Maybe their their beginnings when they were still the Static Age band, but even not really because they were playing Max's Kansas City. Maybe when they were the Cough Cool band, they were they were playing uh, 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 you know in in Lodi mostly, but I mean their first two shows were at CBGB's uh, you know showcases. So what does that say, right? Um, They're a New York band They are actually a New York band And played in New York City Far more than they ever played New Jersey Before they became a true touring band In 81 and 82 I've conducted many interviews over the years This is true, I have I've have conducted many interviews over the years And the thing that I hear most from people In the late 70s, early 80s punk scene Was that the Misfits only came out to play New York City around Halloween time Or only on Halloween In quotes This is, of course, not completely true, as any Misfits nerd who has memorized Misfits Central or spent a fortune collecting flyers will tell you. But it is a part of the band's original mythology and further deepens the significance of an October show. What's going on, Russell Casualty? How are you? Uh, Butter bread, butter, butter dread on bread. (laughs) That was great. Um, so yeah, so the significance of an October Halloween show is, is, is grand. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty, uh, significant, pretty spectacular. Okay. Oh my God. They're ready. Oh, oh my God. This is so fucking cool. All right. All right. This, this will be the last thing that I show and we'll show it also. Uh, I will unveil this. I'm not going to do it now, but I'm going to unveil this before we leave here today. OK, I, I have a surprise. I have the surprise. The surprises already. ready um, again. Mo- some of uh, whoever re- watches this, this is, again. We don't do this for the live show. We do this for the this is to archive on YouTube. Whoever sees this is going to go. What well, I don't understand why you put that on a T-shirt, but if you are a fan of this fucking band, you will fucking understand, especially if you used to go to Misfit Central, you will fucking love this. You will really love this. That's where I was going for when I made the shirt. I've got a bunch of other designs that are fucking coming. I'm trying to open up the t-shirt apparel side of things, whatever. In any case, back to the back to this article because it is late and uh, I do gotta uh, get my kids up tomorrow. Um, so, so an October show is significant because this band is a Halloween band. They only play on Halloween. It's important. I had never seen The Damned, and they were excellent. I had passed up The Damned. The Damned played at Irving Plaza with TS motherfucking OL, one of my favorite bands, TSOL, and I missed it. I missed that show. I was so mad. But I got to see The Damned with The Misfits, and they were excellent. It's amazing to see uh, a band that has consistently been playing for 43 years still sound so tight. It's true. The Damned sound phenomenal. 43 years after their inception and they've pr- consecutively been playing. I mean there was that little gap in the 90s where Dave was doing the Phantom Records, but they've been playing this entire time pretty much. Um they work the crowd with their jovial, mischievous, mischievous chemistry on stage. At one point, their keyboardist Monty Oxymoron leaves his keys to dance like a madman between uh bleh, 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 bleh. Monty oxymoron leaves his keys to dance like a madman between Dave Vanian and Captain Sensible. Eventually, Monty accidentally knocks Vanian's mic out of his hand, and Vanian mis- mischievously—I pa- used misch- mischievously twice—I so try not to. I should have used the thesaurus for that. Passes by Monty and his keyboards to bash the keys. What a fun band! Hell fucking yeah! Go see the damned if you have a chance. I wish I knew more of Rancid's uh, catalog. They were also great and further added to the crowd's energy, turning, uh, turning them into a frenzy. There were a ton of Rancid fans on the floor. While I appreciate them uh, and their music, I uh, I didn't like that the Damned went first and felt like they should have been direct support to the Misfits with a longer set. Not sure... Of who was in charge of that decision, but I found it disrespectful. That's true, man. I don't know why Rancid had no business being the direct support for the Misfits. It should have been the damn. That's the way it should have gone down. It just it, it, that bummed me out greatly. Truly greatly. Uh the Misfits came out and everything exploded. Literally, it exploded. Kaboom. Uh, epic as ever. The sound was perfect. Everyone was firing on all cylinders. Glenn's voice was top notch. Um, there was a, <laughs> there was minimal power sliding from Jerry, much to my dismay. So I, I forgot that. I guess Jerry did not do as much power sliding as he had previously. But the energy between Glenn and Jerry, uh, between Jerry and Glenn, felt positive. Doyle shined in the spotlight with his some kind of hate guitar solo. He did. Doyle. Uh, every time, uh, Jerry would break a base, which he would sometimes punch in half. That's right. He would just hold up the base and pa, just punch that motherfucker till it shattered. Um, Glenn would playfully joke about how angry, uh, Jerry is with his heaps and tons of bases. It warmed my black heart. Okay. Here's actually the banter is right here. Okay. So I'm going to play this right now. Uh, you're going to. Try my best. This was this, this was some of the banter that we heard that night. I hope I don't get flagged for this.
2: Un fucking believable. Fuck yeah, you Fuck it, I'll <laughs> talk a little bit. This one's called I Turned Into a Martian. They said a punk band. Would never headline Madison Square Garden. <laughs> so here the fuck we are: not only did we headline the Great on the whole We still don't know the fuck around. I'm going to fuck those assholes. You all know I love this city. I grew up here. All these guys here we grew up here and play here. This is Ministry of the Wilderness. Alright, let's fuck shit up. This is called cool. 20 eyes. All right, you know what I'm i to introduce everybody else. That's Doyle. He's <laughs> a big motherfucker, is
1: God, could you imagine being AC Slate?
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. you know who that is? <laughs>
2: Right, get ready to watch this. Yes. Yes. To oh, this next one is our third single. This is called Horror oh, Bitterness. <laughs> One of those You guys are having a good time tonight? Oh, yeah. That's why we're here. What about you motherfuckers up there? You think I don't see you? I see you. <laughs> well, anyway, for all of us, especially on the theater on stage. I'm really happy we to be here at Madison Square Garden. The Halloween right around the corner. Back in the day, this is just a play every Halloween and just been shit up. am sure You all ready, Jordan? This next song is a fucked up love song about cutting off your own space. You can sing along if you want. This is called
1: Skulls. This this was amazing. Look at this.
2: Holy shit.
1: Unbelievable. And she was a bass player. She was a fucking bass player. I would. We would later find that
2: out. Fucking. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Jerry, I'm <laughs> <laughs> oh my
1: god that was and there's that photo that beautiful photo all right here's our thumbnail oh shit we missed it um man oh god Just watching that, like I'm just reliving it. I'm like reliving the the memories. You saw that, you saw that girl. Man, like honestly, like when it comes to his fans, Jerry only is the nicest motherfucking guy. I mean, what a fucking mensch to do something like that. That was really that was sweet. What a sweet thing to do. Um, oops. There we go. Oh, no, we want that. Yeah, that's what we want. So The highlight of the evening came towards the end. Wait a minute. Oh, this is, I guess this was just the end. Okay. The highlight of the evening came towards the end. Here, I'll I'll, I'll play this one and play it with the, the music off. All right. So this is playing while that's going. The highlight of the evening came towards the end. I was on the floor in and out of the mosh circle pit, depending on the song for most of the show. It was as violent as Chicago Riot Fest was, and I did get rocked in the mush by a lummox at the beginning. Yes, I got punched in the face. I forgot about that. Um, But I felt uh, nothing as I was possessed by the music and the energy around me. Along with me and the rest of the circle pit was a girl in a wheelchair. She was fierce and fearless, determined to have a good time, wheelchair or not. She spent pretty much the entirety of the show doing laps various crowd fiends would run interference so she had minimum uh, of a few feet uh so that she had a minimum of a few feet to steer negotiate the floor no one pushed her she wheeled herself i was in awe of her and her strength and did my part too when we would cross paths from time to time she was as much of a rock star as the monsters performing their dark magic performance before us and she got lifted up as you saw and jerry handed her a base just fucking nuts um uh nick i don't know if you're still here but if you are here's your iggy pop here's our little iggy pop uh uh iggy and the stooges um uh homage there was uh there was not too much crowd surfing during the show until this girl in her wheelchair sparked a revolution there she was floating above the sea of people supported by, by what i would only describe as heroes and nothing less she was like Iggy covered in peanut butter on the night he famously walked across the crowd hand on foot with the Stooges in Cincinnati, Ohio in 1970. Supposedly, it was Steve Bader's who handed Iggy the peanut butter um, as she floats angelically towards the stage wheelchair and all Jerry and Glenn take notice. The crowd is going nuts. Uh, everything in Madison square garden has momentarily stopped for this girl floating above the crowd in her wheelchair. As you saw in the video, the video speaks a thousand words. There's a picture of her in the wheelchair and that's me and her after she got her bass. Uh, there's, uh, there's no actor gesture that could better suit what Jerry did in that moment. He took off his non-broken, fully operational custom made devastator bass guitar with glowing red cyclops skull and hands it to the girl in the wheelchair. Apparently, she too is a bass player. And this was a screen screenshot to prove it. And to top it all off, she's a bass player. She was in the pit uh, almost the whole show. Yes, that's true. She was. I seen her while I was in there at one point, something like 20 people fell over on top of her. I did not see that. I was a little concerned then. Uh, I'd seen her face. Well, she was smiling and loving and loving it. I want to salute everyone in that pit. When people feel everyone helped out so there would be no stampede shit, got crazy and somewhat violent, but n- no one was trying to break bone. It was fucking awesome. You know, I would criticize the way that dude wrote it, but I'm such a bad, like, on screen reader that, like, it easily could have been me. Although he really did write that terribly. It was Dave Grohl's wet dream, and he would be jealous. I'm not going to click on that link. Go to my blog and read it for yourself, and you can click on it. In some weird way, we all vicariously received that base or a piece of it when Jerry handed it over. That moment was a souvenir for everyone to take home and talk about. I think it will be legendary in the years to come, and I truly believe that, man. That's truly how I felt about that. Uh, No matter how he conducts business, Jerry Only is truly one of the nicest, most generous musicians ever. This is just one of the many examples. No one can deny how awesome he is to his fans. In this regard, we Jews would call him a mensch. It was a great way to finish the show. According to the set list photos floating around Facebook, they played all but three songs with a 15-minute late start. Pretty amazing. All right, so here's some of the stuff. Uh, It's not going to let me zoom in on it. I would also like to, wait, what? I would also like to bring that. Oh, this dude did not spill a drop of his water. That's one of the photos. Just go to the blog and read the photos. There's a great photo of Robo's son, Vincent Vinny, with uh, Jerry and Doyle. Um, This is Jerry's customized. uh, I think it's a Camaro. Pretty fucking cool. These. uh, This is a okay. This guy got one of the bases or something. They had a base. Um (laughs) this is great. Non musical MSG. Why can't I fucking uh click on this? Um Father Father Time behind us telling about seeing the Misfits three times, 1979. Wait a minute. Could this could this be Tony? Was this you? Who else? Wait a minute. Who else could this be but Tony? Tony Matura. Now paging Tony Matura. Father, well, because Tony is an older gentleman, right? Because he was around back then. Father time behind us telling us about seeing the Misfits three times, 1979 and twice in 1980, and his legitimate fear that Glenn would walk off stage for the fourth time and and would punch a kid in the face. I don't know. Well, Tony saw him five times, so maybe not. The chick in the wheelchair, the drunk idiot who kept wandering down uh, Jerry power sliding onto the stage with no music at all, and he would get a new bass. <laughs> he just loved power sliding. Jerry is so enthusiastic. Uh, the drunk idiot who kept wandering down the aisle near us with lit cigarettes, even after being removed. Uh, um, the security guard lady who would lie in wait like a spider and pop out uh, to bust people for walking uh, down to our section. Like little drunk flies. Um, Jerry has anger issues, uh, says Glenn, as Jerry smashes his eighth base. Here's one. Uh, October, October 19th was my 38th birthday. You only turn 38 once in your lifetime. I celebrate my 138 by seeing the original Misfits. That's cute. All right. Here it is, man. Here it is. Look at this. Look at this. this some interesting facts. God damn it. Uh, So far at the MSG show last night, by my count. Ready? Three-fourths of the classic 80 to 83 lineup. Three-fourths of the static age lineup. Three-fourths of the resurrected 95 Misfits lineup. Sam Hain, the first lineup. Three-fourths of the Sam Hain first lineup. uh, Three-fourths of the current Danzig lineup. Two-thirds of the Jerry Fitz uh, twice over. Wow. Because Jerry's son was there. Des was there, and uh, the goat was there. All of Sardonica, humble, unfucking believable. And could you imagine being Dr. Chud and sitting up in the skybox? I don't know if Dr. Chud was on a guest list or not, but could you imagine being Dr. Chud and watching your bandmates Jerry and Doyle fucking selling out Madison Square Garden? While you're fucking playing in uh, Pennsylvania or whatever, like with strippers on a stripper pole, like, like taking fucking three years to make a fucking music video, God, what a f- what? Wow, that would suck. That uh, that would bum me the fuck out. Fucking just sitting in that skybox jerking off, going
2: that should be me. That should be.
1: Sorry, sorry, that was really rude of me. I could not help myself. But god. You, you don't, you don't need to get, you don't need to uh god, what a fucking loser. Sorry. Um sorry, that was incredibly negative. Uh So anyway, yeah, it was just a really great show. A really 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 great show. And that's all there is to it. Supposedly, this is the last show, although no one said anything of the sort, and we've heard it all before. I am sure if the offer is right, that won't be the case. There's just too much money to be made. Could you blame them? They deserve it. All of it. They really don't. They really, really do. Russ. Oh, interesting. Russell Patterson says, sorry, Russell Casualty says, three-fourths of morning noise was there as well. Boom. There you go. There you fucking go. That's nuts. Um. Yeah, man, uh, There, there's just too much money to be made. They're never going to stop. They will, they will only stop uh, because of a, a, a pandemic or because there's no more money to be made. I don't think they'll ever stop. I don't think there's any argument, any fight that can get in the way of the money to be made. This is how uh, Glenn is, f- I'm sure, I don't know for a fact, but I would imagine this is how Glenn has financed his uh, making two movies, you know, um, and jerry who was like fuck you i will tour as my version of the misfits nothing no amount of money will make me sit and wait a full year jerry is getting paid so fucking well and having such a great reception and receiving so much respect for his place in the band and what he is doing with the band that jerry is willing to wait a whole year just to play one show or play, or wait a whole year just to play three shows. You know what I mean? Like that's how good the situation is for these guys. At least from an outside perspective. Who knows the inner turmoil, if there is such. Um, but from an outside perspective, unfucking unbelievable. The merch. I mean, the only thing that they're missing is the, the thing that would really be printing money would be to re-release all that, all the fucking misfit songs on, on vinyl right uh to re-release everything repress it all on vinyl the way that uh slash ruby records or whoever owns slash ruby records is repressing the 108th the 138th edition of walk among us you know and those things the moment that they sell out are worth 150 bucks on ebay you know it would man they would be printing money and as i said recently on the facebook page Fucking Glenn, what are you waiting for, dude? Reprint that Sam Hain catalog, man. You're, it's printing money, you know. If you're gonna do as many pressings in in different colors as you have for Danzig sings Elvis, man. I mean, you're you're essentially you're flooding your market with variants for your latest album. Why not flood the market with um, Sam Hain? and that stuff will appreciate in value. People will fucking buy it. Fans will go crazy for it. Imagine like. God, i'm trying to think like um i don't know something like like a like some sort of like a fire red november coming fire oh my god with orange and and red streaks i mean the orange just the orange alone um is beautiful in and of itself um you know i wonder uh, i wonder if, I, I i don't know but I, i'm sure that someone in you know a misfits related collector could tell me um does does having re reissued vinyl does that make the original stuff even more valuable does that bring up the value or does that devalue it because you're saturating the market with more copies of the recordings but still a first press is a first press is a first press it's like you can repress how many of action comics one over and over and over again and they might accrue value but there's nothing is ever going to be as valuable as the original action number one. So that's what that's what I wonder. I wonder what what is it, what what makes it the most valuable? A box set of vinyl. Holy shit. Could you imagine? Now I sound like I'm on Misfit Central again, just chatting about that, you know. Speaking of November coming fire, do-do-do-do-do. okay, ready? I'm going to show you. So again, if anybody wants to read, I'm going to put this in the the comment box one more time. If anybody wants to read or click on the links to this, or just click on the ads to put some pennies in my AdSense account, feel free. I am going to unveil the first of many t-shirt designs. Now, again, I'm not, I'm not printing these up myself. There's no pressure. There's no financial pressure for me. Like none of this is like hurting me in any way, shape or form. I'm just putting this out there as an additional way to support the creation of this stuff. I'm trying to, obviously, I'm trying to build this. I'm trying to build this brand. Uh, I'm trying to um, create something that, besides obviously the content is the is the thing of value, but to give back something physical for you know people's support as opposed to just buying cups of coffee, which is greatly appreciated. Truly, thank you. Umberto and Dave being the latest ones, uh, uh, in addition to everybody else. So I I was like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna press up. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna create some designs. You know, I do I do a little bit of Photoshop. What I'm gonna do? Let me see if I can find it here. I have it right here, right here, right here, right here. I'm gonna pull this up. Okay, so here it is. Now you're gonna fucking laugh at this. You might think it's stupid. This is the November coming fire, the November fire sour cream hoodie sour cream t-shirt sour cream design whatever you want to call it that's that's the apparel and you can get you can get it on a you can get it on a mug you can get it on a on a phone case and this is a joke. No one's gonna get this. Like that's what's that's what's so funny about it. Like you can get it in a variety of t-shirts. Now some of the t-shirts are like different quality. I went by their their price points or whatever. Um, th- this is like this is just a, a, one of the t-shirts. You walk down the street. Now you walk down the street with a crimson ghost, and people will know what a crimson ghost is, right? Like people know what the crimson ghost is, but like. You walk down with sour cream on your shirt, and someone goes, Oh, sour cream. They'll really get the inside joke if they've been on, you know, Misfit Central or whatever. So that's the first of many designs. This is, um, November Fire Sour Cream, pure natural. Um, the, the third batch of that. Uh, and this is available in uh, the, the web store, I guess. I don't know. Um, Let me see if this is the URL is right here. So you can go here to check out all the items. I have more designs coming and I'll be pimping this shit, you know, just showcasing it. Um, But really nothing more than that. Not going to shove it down people's throats to the best of my ability. Um, But... John says thank you so much for showcasing for showcasing our cover of wolf's blood could you maybe play our big all right let, let pull it up john we'll close out with toxic's well hold on john john hold on one second is uh toxic swamp going to come up as a as a as an id tag when i when i throw this up on youtube if so uh i would prefer well i guess i could i could just cut it out all right all right put it up send me the link john Send me the link. Okay, I'll do it. I'll do it here. This is, uh, this is, t- I can't, wow, it's not letting me, Um, hmm. why can I not, I can't hit it. All right, hold on one second. I'm gonna have to go out here. Just, just, just a minute. Do, 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 do. <laughs> sour cream. Okay, so for those who don't fucking get it, November coming fire. Sour cream, sour cream, because it sounds like instead of Sam Hain Grim, it sounds like he's saying sour cream. That was the joke. That's the thing that we all laugh about. And I thought I've never seen it on a T-shirt. I thought it would be funny on a T-shirt. So if you want to get some November sour cream, you can get an Android case. You can get a coffee mug. You can get a a, a t-shirt, and of course, um, uh, here the I think the, the the hoodie is is really nice. This is a zip up hoodie. Uh, I might actually buy one myself. I think I need to own that. I even have to buy them myself because the, it's print on demand. Um, okay, we're gonna we're gonna play this for we're gonna play this for John here. Oh shit! Oh shit! We're gonna play this track for John and close out the show. Hold on. This is, okay, so this is Toxic Doom. Ooh, I love the cover. Look at this cover art. That's that's really cool. Look at that. That's Voice of Doom, people. Check out that cover art. And he's already posted the link. You can get this vinyl for $10. Look at that. It's on swamp green vinyl. That is beautiful. Wow. You guys have a record label. You put that out yourself. How did you do that? That's pretty cool. It's got two songs on it. Um, the lyrics. Deep down in the meadowlands, a poison lake that'll melt off your hands. Green radiation glow at the end of Murhoff Road. This toxic swamp will put you under, over and under. Beware the creatures boiling slumber, over and under. Ma- mafioso watery graves, mutated carp that'll feed on your face. This man thing lurks around, contaminates little fairy town. This toxic swamp will pull you under, over and under. The gates will close behind you, over and under, over and under. Um. All right, we're going to play this in one second to close out the show. Um. Oh, Russell says put butter Put that butter spread on bread. Okay, okay. Well that'll be that'll go in the queue. I've got a bunch of designs ahead, but I'll do we'll we'll get we'll get that up there too. I will we'll, we'll no I'm not gonna take though. I'm gonna you you that's for you man you you do that I'll put that on my store but that's for you 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 invented that not me I'm not gonna do that um that that's that's not that that's your design man um I appreciate that though truly okay so we're gonna play this we're gonna play this original song called "Toxic Swamp" by Voice of Doom, and I guess sorry, Pyrith Pyric Pyric Victory Records. So a Pyric Victory. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but a, I believe it's called a Pyreth, Pyrithic Victory. Um, that's from like Greek times, and what it means, Pyric Victory recordings. Yeah, so th- that type of victory, um, it's basically a victory where you don't win or your winning is futile. Oh, man, now I'm going to have to look that shit up. Uh, Pie. it's going to bother me if I don't. Unless this is some sort of pun. Is this a pun on the actual word? Ah, here you go. That's what it is. That's what it is. All right, Russell, I'll use it. I'll use it. Um, pyric a pirate, sorry. So it's pyric. That's how you pronounce it. Pyrrhic victory uh, won at too great a cost to have been worthwhile for the victor. So that's what it is. The juice is not worth the squeeze. That's what I'm, that's what it is. Uh, and it's from, it's from Greek times, you know, when, 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 when the Greeks would fight wars and that's a pyric victory. And I believe it comes from a pyric war, maybe. Maybe there was the pyric war uh, and that's where the that that situation happened at that war. I don't know. I'm pulling that out of my ass. I think that might be correct. Um. All right. Without further ado, we're going to close this out. John, I hope this doesn't uh, ID tag me. I want to keep it on YouTube. You know, it benefits you because it goes on my YouTube and then more people see it. Not that there are a lot of people who are watching, but more people see it if I don't get ID tags. So I hope I don't get ID tags is all I'm saying. I, I, I did that once. I, I did a show where I, I where I had people's original recordings, and I couldn't. You know, it was muting. It was muting the the soundtrack. It sucked. I was so I was so annoyed. But for you, John, I'm doing this. I'm doing this for you, John. All right. Great. Right. Let's listen. Toxic Swamp by the Voice of Doom. <laughs>
2: Muito You take a call, got a be on your face, whoa. This man works so well. We time I little bird, I This business once will prove you over and under. You're the
1: So I really like the uh production on this uh record. It's got, I don't know what I mean. Well, I love that thing at the end, but the uh the guitars are crunchy uh in a very, very nice way. And I just like I don't know what you guys are you did a lot with the production, truly. There's a lot going on there. I don't know. I have to listen to that again, but it's like um, you know, it kind of has that feeling like it was done on purpose, by the way, that it feels like it's like like, it, like it's been dragged through the mud you know uh, I guess almost like a, a, a toxic swamp in a, in a way very well very well done well done voice of doom John crushing it Uh what's it wait hold on what's your what's your stage name there is uh, Evilheim uh from the voice of doom crushing it and I gotta tell you this is some this is a really nice release look at this guys guys there's only 12 of these left so check it out purchase it on the band camp you know um, I mean, that's that's really, really a lot of tender loving care went into this release. That's surely to be some sort of collectible um, because it's only there's only 100 of these and only 12 remain. So check out this band, check out Voice of Doom, give them a like on Facebook, support independent music, support independent horror. Um, Thank you all for supporting this this channel in general. Oh, we got a sale from uh, Francois. So how do you like that? Just from just from hearing it on 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 the on the air, I love that man. That that nothing makes me happier than when people shit gets fucking purchased because it gets heard. That's fucking cool. That is really cool. So good. Um, okay, so till next week, uh, till next week's show, I will be po- putting more of my t-shirt designs up. Uh, I will try not to be obnoxious about it, and um, these are. Uh, fan unauthorized um designs uh about uh in in relation to horror punk uh (laughs) that's all that's what we'll call them that's that's what they are okay guys thank you so much great show lots of fun i'm uh i gotta get to sleep uh till next week peace and hair grease